Welcome to In the Desert of Set, a pagan and occult website by G.B. Marion. I'm G.B. Marion. I write about life as a polytheist in contemporary times with random, long-winded detours into ancient history, classic horror movies, and all kinds of other fun stuff. Won't you join me for today's adventure? If you'd like to read a free electronic print copy of the following recording, please visit desertofset.com. Calling Professor Coitermass! I love those old Hammer horror films from the 1960s and 1970s. You know, the ones with Christopher Lee and Peter Cushing, filmed in vivid technicolor, with some of the most atmospheric set pieces you'll ever see on screen. Hammer revamped all the traditional gothic horror film monsters, and they weren't afraid to use gallons of blood in the process, which really pissed off the British censors at the time, even though the gore looks pretty fake by today's standards. They turned Dr. Frankenstein, portrayed by Peter Cushing, into a psychopathic killer who prefers to get the parts for his monsters fresh, if you know what I mean, and I think you do. They turned Count Dracula, played by Christopher Lee, into a frothing-at-the-mouth sexual predator who can break mere men in half with his pinky finger. They also cast some of the most beautiful demigoddesses to have ever graced this earth. Seriously, these ladies make their Victorian costumes look more provocative and exciting than even the skimpiest of modern beach attire. Whether we are addressing the evil of Frankenstein from 1964, Dracula, Prince of Darkness from 1966, or even The Devil Rides Out from 1968, Hammer films are fucking awesome and warrant multiple repeated viewings. If I had to choose just one Hammer film as my personal favorite, it would not be easy. But surely, Quatermass in the Pit from 1967, also known as Five Million Years to Earth, would be counted among my top five. This is a sequel to an earlier 1955 film called The Quatermass Experiment and its immediate 1957 successor, Quatermass 2. All three movies are theatrical adaptations of TV serials that were originally broadcast on the BBC in the 1950s. These serials were written and created by Nigel Neal, who is also known for writing The Abominable Snowman of the Himalayas from 1957, The Stone Tape from 1972, and the original screenplay for Halloween 3 Season of the Witch from 1982. Neal was a fantastic science fiction writer whose work fits rather nicely with the likes of H.P. Lovecraft, and he has been a major inspiration to such horror maestros as John Carpenter and Stephen King, whose Prince of Darkness and The Tommyknockers, both from 1987, are directly inspired by Quatermass in the Pit. The Quatermass films are named for their main character, Professor Bernard Quatermass, a British rocket scientist who contends with various alien forces that seek to wipe out the human race. In many ways, the original serials also provided a great deal of inspiration for Doctor Who. Of the trilogy, 
Quatermass in the Pit is easily the best, and despite being the third film in sequence, it is written in such a way that you don't have to view either of its predecessors to understand the characters or plot. All you really need to know going in is that it's about a small British town called Hobbs End, which should sound familiar to anyone who enjoys John Carpenter's In the Mouth of Madness. Some subway workers uncover a bunch of weird fossils and an object that looks like an unexploded bomb from the German air raids during World War II. This was not an uncommon problem in England in the 1960s. Hell, it's still a problem today in the 2020s. So panic immediately ensues and the military is called in to investigate. But it is soon determined that the excavated object is not a bomb after all. And that's when Professor Quatermass is called in. Quatermass discovers that the object is actually a spaceship and that it contains a couple of ancient alien corpses. The aliens look like man-sized grasshoppers. The weird fossils that were discovered close to the ship appear to have been primates that the aliens were using as experimental test subjects. Quatermass also learns that Hobbs End has been subject to all manner of paranormal disturbances since time immemorial. Whenever someone disturbs the ground where the spaceship now rests, ghosts and hauntings are soon reported throughout the surrounding area. And when a man accidentally scrapes the spaceship with a wrench, it causes all these weird telekinetic phenomena to start happening. Quatermass figures the aliens are from Mars and that they came to colonize the Earth before humans evolved. He thinks they plan to transfer their consciousness to the ancient primates they found so that they could live more comfortably in our ecosystem. But something went wrong and the aliens all died. Yet the super apes they created survived, and some people today are actually descended from these apes. Such people tend to be born with weird psychic abilities, and Quatermass theorizes that this may be where all our legends of magic and witchcraft come from. The aliens even resemble Satan, with tiny horns poking out of their skulls. But there's just one problem. Even though the aliens and their super apes are all dead, the powers they evoked continue to exist in human beings today. And the alien spaceship is still functional. Quatermass fears that if anything is done to disturb the vessel, it could reawaken the dormant Martian hive consciousness that resides within every person who is descended from the modified apes. And this is exactly what happens when the British government decides to hold a big press conference at the excavation site. Some knucklehead drops some alive electrical wiring on the ship and it wakes up. The awakening of the Hobbs End spaceship is one of the most terrifying sequences I've ever seen in any horror film. Approximately half the local population is suddenly possessed by the Martian hive mind, which then drives them to murder all their neighbors, co-workers, and families. These people even kill all the animals they encounter as well. There's one ghoulish moment when we hear them slaughtering a bunch of cats and dogs outside, and it never fails to make my blood run cold. To think that someone can just flip a biological switch and make hundreds of people suddenly murder their own loved ones is scary enough. But the situation is made even scarier by the fact that this is all caused by an accident. The Hobbs End Massacre is not caused by the aliens, who are all deceased, but by an act of human ignorance that totally could have been prevented had anyone heeded Quatermass's warnings. 
The heroes end up using a big iron crane to discharge the Martian spaceship's energy back into the Earth. As in a great deal of folklore, it is the apotropaic power of iron, a substance most sacred to set, that dispels the forces of evil in the end. But unlike most other science fiction and horror films from this period, Quatermass in the Pit does not conclude with the male and female survivors hugging and kissing each other like everything's going to be alright. Here, Professor Quatermass and his friend Dr. Judd, played by Barbara Shelley, my favorite hammer glamour girl, are left standing alone amidst a sea of urban ruin, not breathing a word to each other. They're too frightened to even look at each other, much less touch. Perhaps they fear that doing so might spark up the Martian hive mind again. They just stare fearfully into the night, forever traumatized by what they've seen and experienced. Roll credits. One sure way to make me want to read a story or watch a film is by telling me it's horror and science fiction. Some of my favorite films fall into this category, including Ridley Scott's Alien from 1979 and John Carpenter's The Thing from 1982. But Nigel Neal's work is distinct because it combines science fiction with supernatural horror, using science to plausibly substantiate the paranormal rather than dispelling it. The genealogical descent of all witches and wizards from Martian-engineered apes is just one example. Another would be the concept behind the stone tape, in which Neil has scientists discovering that ghosts are actually residual recordings of past events that have been embedded into certain rocks. This hypothesis is now called the stone tape theory, which still carries considerable weight among paranormal researchers today. And, as I will explain further in a later sermon, Halloween 3 Season of the Witch proposes that the mineral content of Stonehenge is catastrophically dangerous and can actually be weaponized by any corporation with the necessary know-how. As far as I'm concerned, at least, Nigel Neal belongs in the same company as such hard science fiction masters as Isaac Asimov and Arthur C. Clarke. In Quatermass in the Pit, the Christian concept of the devil is revealed to be nothing more than a genetic race memory of the Martian colonists who experimented on our primate ancestors. These aliens were not necessarily evil, either. They were simply doing what they could to survive. As a Setian, the idea that Satan was originally something else and it wasn't evil has been a very old recurring theme in my life. And the idea that a sufficiently advanced or magical technology can be misused to wreak unspeakable havoc is also familiar, given what I have seen when ill-prepared occultniks fuck around with things like Clifith or the Simon Necronomicon. Finally, I can identify with the idea of there being a scientific basis for so-called superstitions, like the use of iron objects to execrate evil spiritual forces. Indeed, Quatermass in the Pit is not only scary, but incredibly thought-provoking for anyone who takes an interest in the esoteric side of life. For pagans and witches, I really can't recommend it highly enough. Thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed this sermon, and you'd like to read some more, please check out DesertOfSet.com. I hope you have a wonderful day. Set bless.